and welcome back to the Irish Mags Show, brought to you by the Irish Mags NUFC Supporters Group. My name is Paul. I will be your host for today for episode six. And I can tell you that episode six is an extra special episode for you today. Not only am I joined by the usual suspects in Alan and Chris Show, and you'll note I didn't put talented in there this time, lads. I've managed to remove that. When you <laughs> But we are delighted to welcome a very special guest to the Irish Mags show this week, coming to us live all the way from California. And it looks a lot sunnier on my screen than it is in Ireland. I can't that much. It's a man whose playing career spanned 16 years, during which he made 277 Premier League appearances and specifically wore the Newcastle United number two shirt 218 times, scoring five goals with 16 assists, not to mention making four Champions League appearances and earning three England caps. It is, of course, former Newcastle United legend, Mr. Warren Barton, now the current director and youth academy coach of Del Mar Carmel Valley Sharks in San Diego, California. Welcome in, lads, and of course, welcome in Warren Barton. Thank welcome. you very much. Very nice intro as well, but yeah, Happy New Year to everybody. Um, yeah, it's nice to uh, come across the, the, the pond and speak to the uh, the people there in Ireland, and obviously, it's been a pretty good weekend for Newcastle, so we can uh, we can enjoy it. The sun's yeah. out for me, um, and obviously, yeah, keep, a, keep keep a big uh, big big eye out and a big heart out for for Newcastle uh, over the last few years. Obviously, being there as a player captain, um, it's a great place, great fans, and you know that better than anybody. It's the the best club in the world. Absolutely, Absolutely. and we cannot disagree with that. And it breaks your heart a few times as well, just to say, it breaks your heart a few times. So It's (laughs) not all roses, we know that being Newcastle. Absolutely, Absolutely, Warren, and and I can tell you, between the three of us who have probably a combined 70 or 80 years of (laughs) supporting Newcastle, we've we've all been through the good times and the bad, but thankfully... We're seeing a lot of the good times more recently. Thank God. Um, one thing, one thing we need to point out, Warren. Actually, um, of course, you know this. This is your first time joining the Irish Mag Show, but technically, you're here every week, Warren, because just over my shoulder, you may see up in the top corner here is <laughs> your um, Corinthians figurine from the '95, '96 season that I've had <laughs> since I was a, quite a small kid, and it's managed to stay with me all these years. I just need to ask you: Do you ha- do you have one yourself, or do I, I do, I do. I'm embarrassed to say, but I, I, I do. My son's got it in his bedroom as well, and I've got a, an England one and a Newcastle one, and uh, the the hair's a bit different now. Uh, but, <laughs> I have to bring but, it for but, a but the, Yeah, but, but the, uh, the the tan is still there. The tan is still there, but the, ha- the hair's changed a little bit. So yeah, you're not the only one. <laughs> they're, an- they're antiques now. They're antiques now. They're yeah, antiques. Word of fortune. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, you're up there in Pride Place with uh, Tino Aspria, Rob Lee, Lesford, and Peter Beers. Oh, good company out there. Yeah. As much as my other half loves me having them on display here in the, in the apartment. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, right, so folks, we have an action packed show today, uh, not least because we have. A little bit of discussion to do about that about that game at the weekend, a little tiny weird derby. It was the first one in, in eight years. Um, we'll also be picking Warren's brain about that, having played in a few of them, as we well know. Um, before we get to that, though, we do want to place most of our attention on Warren. Of course, Warren, we're going to put you under the spotlight a little bit, but with, with, the, with the standard Irish hospitality you, you would expect from uh, <laughs> three Irish lads. Because um, we do have some questions that we'd love to get through. Uh, for our listeners, because let's face it, the majority of our listeners, like ourselves, will remember 
particularly the entertainers days and will obviously have been supporting Newcastle as long as we have and definitely remember as we've said the good times and and, and the bad ones but we'll t- we'll talk a lot about the good ones so we'll move in to some questions for you Warren the first thing we want to ask you was how was your Christmas how was the festive period New Year's uh were you, were you abroad for it were you over in California and how, and how did that go now I had a, a great Christmas. I went over to to London. Went over to the UK to see my uh, my mum, my brother, and my sister. Um, I took over my grandchildren. That makes you feel old as well. So I got grandchildren to go over there. So I took the whole family. I wasn't able to get up to the Nottingham Forest game. Thankfully, uh, I wasn't able to do that. And I didn't have didn't have time to go to Anfield either. Thankfully for that. Um, but yeah, I had a, I had a great holiday period. Uh, come back. I'm not really a New Year's Eve guy. Uh, I'm not really into that. So we did the the Christmas time and, and my kids went and watched some games out there. Uh, but it was about going to see my old mum, make sure she was good, uh, had some good times, uh, had some good food and, and come back to the sunshine. So pretty good for me, guys. Pretty good for me. It was all, all good. And that's the second time I've mentioned the sunshine in the first four and a half minutes. <laughs> there could yeah. be a theme coming along here. Yeah, you're warming us up. You're warming us up. When this kind of thing happens, we get the jar out and we tell you, well, for you, you'd have to put a dollar in the jar now every time you mention yeah. it. And uh, okay. that, that can All go right. towards the Irish Mags flag fund. But uh, we, <laughs> yeah. we won't do that. Just <laughs> Ideal. Excellent. Great to hear. Um, and of course, Happy New Year to everyone once again. Um, yeah, I think, Warren, before we delve into your playing career, at New- obviously, we're going to talk a lot about Newcastle, but we know there was more to your career than Newcastle, of course. So before we kind of dive into the Newcastle specifics, We'd love to hear a little bit about your origins as a footballer um, and particularly your playing position, because I suppose most of our listeners and particularly Newcastle fans would remember you as playing right back and having that number two kit for Newcastle. But it's fair to say you weren't always a defender and specifically a right back. Is that right? That's correct. I mean, uh, at the age of 16 and 13, I got told I was too small. Uh, The legendary Frank Clark, actually, Newcastle uh, legend left back was at Leighton Orient. Mm. And I was there as a kid and actually then I was playing in midfield. Um, you know, when I did play at fullback for Newcastle, one of my strengths was my engine. I could run, I could run all day long. Um, I was pretty athletic at the time. And at that time with fullbacks, it was starting to change a little bit rather than just being a, a regimented defender. They was asked to go forward uh, to express themselves. So as my career sort of went forward with the crazy gang, so I've gone from being a, uh, an entertainer to one of the crazy gang uh, <laughs> members, we was pretty athletic you know our, our training our pre-season training we probably didn't touch a ball for the first two weeks it was about running and being, being fitter than anybody else and stronger than anybody else and that was part of my game and as as I did at Wimbledon I played that midfield area um, and actually Kenny Dalgleish when he first come to to Newcastle uh, he tried to buy me at Blackburn as a midfield player um, and that didn't pan out um, a, a year beforehand I was supposed to be going up to Ewood Park with with Kenny. And then when he come in, he played me in midfield. And actually, Kevin Keegan uh, had seen me play midfield and, and liked me in that position as well. But because of the circumstances of Lee Clark, Rob Lee, um, that, that spot on the right-hand side opened up. And particularly the way we played with KK with entertainers, he wanted us to get forward. He wanted us to go and express ourselves. So playing in that position sort of suited me. But yeah, I, I was you know a little bit of a versatile player. Uh, but I particularly like playing as a fullback, getting forward, uh, taking people on, trying to create chances as I did and probably trying to hide my deficiencies as a, as a, as a defender was to say, <laughs> well, I'm going to push you back the other way. But to be honest with you, as long as I was playing, I was out there. Um, I wanted to play, but I did have that in my, 
area that I could play as a midfield player uh, and obviously as a fullback. And so Bobby played me a centre half. Uh, we went out to uh, Roma in the uh, in the uh, UEFA Cup competition, and he played me as a as a mid uh, as a centre half as well, which I enjoyed. I could read the game reasonably well and was comfortable on the ball. So yeah, it gives you another string to your bow. Um, and it was able to, like you said, to go and play over 200 odd games for Newcastle, which was was always a pleasure. And you know, as I said, every time I played, I was thoroughly enjoyed that occasion. But yeah, I, I could play in a few different positions. Um, I didn't want to be known as a, a jack of all trade and master of none, but I felt like right back was my was my best yeah. position. Yeah. Agreed. It's a, I feel like we've almost come full circle because you mentioned there uh, um, in in those days under Kevin Keegan, it was about being the fittest. The fittest team, the fastest team, the more you know, that high intensity, and obviously we're seeing the same now with with present day Newcastle. I definitely wasn't always the case in the years that have passed since. And then you've talked about, you know, drifting. Let's say playing it right back, but also stepping into midfield. We, we've seen that role almost evolve as well. So there's a lot of uh, a lot of narrative, I think, connecting. I suppose those days with with now and and how we've kind of circled around. Um, Sticking with that theme then, Warren, um, I suppose we could talk about that famous move to Newcastle, right? Which is the reason, obviously, uh, all those years later, you've ended up here with three Irishmen on the Irish Max show. <laughs> um, this was a time when Kevin Keegan was building the famous entertainers era. He made you the most expensive defender in English football history at the time. Um, I was actually going to say, were there any other clubs in the conversation? You, but you, you have alluded to Kenny Dalglish having one eye on you when he was a Blackburn, but... What was it for, I suppose, for you moving to Newcastle? What was it that sealed the deal for you? You know, was it a case of making a choice uh, or was it an easy choice um, in terms of making making the decision to move to Newcastle? And how did it feel pulling on that that very, very famous black and white kit, which is arguably now one of the best and most well-known that the Premier League has seen? Yeah, it's a, a very iconic shirt at the time. And yeah, there was interest. You know, I was um, born up in London. I was an Arsenal fan and I'd spoken to David Dean in the spring in April uh, about going to Arsenal at the time, but Arsene Wenger wasn't coming until October. Uh, Trevor Francis, the late great Trevor Francis, I'd spoken to him at Sheffield Wednesday, Tommy Burns, who was up at Celtic. So there was quite a bit of interest, but I met Kevin Keegan in London, uh, a bank holiday Monday. You probably remember uh, Newcastle played Blackburn and Alan Shearer scored at the far post actually against uh, John Beresford and got the winner up there for them to go and uh, push for the title. And he'd come all the way down to see me um, and said, look, you know, meet me in the hotel. And he just walked up to me and said, come and join a big club. And when you have someone like him say that in them words, so confident about what he was going to do. I'd obviously seen how well Newcastle had been playing, played up there uh, and done a call down after uh, for Wimbledon on the van and said, you know, one of my friends at the time, you know, imagine playing for this, this club in this area. I spoke to Arthur Cox in the hotel that night about the club and just about football in general and about what was going along. And me and Les Ferdinand was in the England squad at the time, getting ready for Euro 96. And we was always linked together, you know, whether it was Arsenal, Blackburn and Newcastle. And we kept saying every time we'd meet up with England, he's like, well, where are you going? Where are you going? And uh, we ended up sealing the deal together two days apart. And it, it was just a, a very, very exciting time. The Premier League at that time was exploding uh, to what it is now um you know the the nature of the game uh, the players that was coming in you know people like george ware rude hullet uh, was players coming into the league um and really setting the tone of what the premier league was going to be like for the next 20 25 years and to be part of that um and as i said earlier on being told you're too small never going to make it 
them being the most expensive defender at the time, British defender at the time, was was a great honour. Um, I'm really proud of, of being that. But, you know, Rob Lee tells a story as well, and Les and David Ginola. When, when KK comes up to you and the way he is, and the, he doesn't have to sell the club, he doesn't have to sell himself. It's just true of what it is. And to, to go up there, to Peter, you know, I was speaking to Peter Beardsley at the time at, at, with England. And, you know, Barry Venison, who was a... Um, a great servant for Liverpool and, and Newcastle. He actually knew I was coming to take his place in theory, uh, as it looked like. And when we was England together, he'd said to me, he said like, and I still see Barry in Los Angeles now very, very occasionally. He one that said like, you know, you've got to go. It's going to be a great time. You're going to love it up there. The people are going to love you. You're going to love playing football up there. You know, don't worry about it being North and, things like that it's a special club special people and that was someone that was going out out the door so Venice was always yeah. great to me at that time so you know put peter beersley involved les ferdinand kevin keegan um and you know i did have choices but there was no choice in the end it was a simple decision to make we didn't even talk about money you know when i met kevin and my agent and the club it, it was never about the money it was about winning things challenging for things trying to compete um and it was a great honor to do that to go onto the field to wear that iconic black and white shirt now with a big Newcastle Brownell sign on it and be part of that team and that that time in Newcastle it is special. You know, uh, the people remember you fondly. Um, we had a great connection mm -hmm. with the fans. Probably used to mix too much with them in the in the big market <laughs> and down at the Quayside, but we used to mix with them. And, and it was a wonderful time. It's a special time in my life. Um, you know, we, we got to cup finals, played in the Champions League, challenging for titles and you know all them players you know philip albert john beresford um the late pavel cernicek shaka hislop janola peter you know all of them players leds was great people as well to be around fun to be around good good people to to share the changing room with and you know unfortunately gentlemen we failed you know we come up short um when we should have won the title and that will always haunt us you know to this day every day i think about that and it's not necessarily and we say the same things it's not about me having a premier league medal it's about newcastle having that on their <laughs> on their shelf to say that they've done that and unfortunately we we failed but the good times are back and hopefully with this ownership and the manager and the players they they bring back that enjoyment and i i think they're doing that and um because it is a special place until you've been up there and you live up there you know people say about the area that they haven't got a clue uh, the fans are you know, whether you're from Ireland or whether you're from Hong Kong or whether you're from Wall's End, you have that same passion and that same determination and that same undoubting love for the club and the players and the and the area. Um, and it's a special club and, um, you know, mm. special times are ahead. But, yeah, it was a great time. I mean, I think you can tell by the way I'm speaking. It was a, an emotional time and a good time. And we had a lot of fun. Uh, we had a lot of fun up there. And as I said, the only thing against us all really is that we, we failed in the long run to to not, not bring the trophy for Sir John Hall and the club uh, and for the fans, most importantly. Yeah, I mean, uh, you, you mentioned the word failure there. Uh, and yes, it'll be it'll be always for a lot of us like an opportunity miss. But when people think about those days, particularly as speaking as fans, I, it's hard to think about the word failure because yeah. it was just such a positive, successful era of of good times of good performances and and let's face it superstars playing as you said warren in that in that infamous newcastle brown ale kit um from all over obviously and not just local lads 
Um, Alan, I'm, I know Alan would like to to jump in here um, because, Ryan, you, you've talked a lot about some of the players that you would have played alongside. Um, but I think we, we were interested to hear about the management aspect. Uh, Alan, mm. I think you had a question there for Warren on that, didn't you? I do. So during our seven years at Newcastle, you experienced the highs of the Kevin Keegan era. I won't say the lows of the Daglish and Hullet era, but it wasn't as high as the Keegan era. As a player, what was it like navigating those changes as different managers came through the door? Were they always kind of similar in their styles or did, was there mass changes the second they walked through the doors? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. They're all legendary in their own right. You know, Rude mm. Hullet as a player uh, and what he brought to the game. Kenny Dalglish is Kenny Dalglish and KK. For me, Sir Bobby was, was the best package mm. because he tactically, the fans, the area, the humour, man management, he was, I learned so much off of him, not only as a coach, but also as a person. But as a player, you're quite resilient. Um, KK really took us all by surprise. It was only Alan Shearer that, that knew that he was leaving. Uh, we'd all gone there in principle, like I said, because of KK, you know, Janola and uh, Les and, and players, David Batty, Tino, as you, as you said, he was behind you, was a big part of going because of KK. So when he left, it was a big big void and it, it, it hit us in the gut pretty pretty hard all of us I, I never forget it we was at maiden castle we was upstairs we had the monday off we'd heard about it and we come in on the tuesday was getting really to play aston villa and arthur cox was there and terry mcdermott and they both was devastated they both wanted to to leave but they knew they had an obligation to at least see us through until we got a new manager coming in who whoever that would be so when kk left it was um it was very very difficult uh, for us to comprehend because we wanted to see it through. Yeah, we, I think we failed this season before, but we was in a good spot to go again and try and challenge United again. And, you know, for whatever reason, Kevin left and left us, you know, a little bit uncertainty of what we was doing. We was never going to jump ship, and but we'd lost one of our leaders and it was a big part of us taking us there. And Kevin, Kenny Dalgleish coming in so quickly... And because of his aura and his personality with us, maybe not with the media, he didn't show his personality, but it got us back into a mindset of, of playing for the game and trying to win a trophy. Obviously, he'd been very successful at Liverpool. He'd won the Premier League at Blackburn. He played, obviously, he'd had Alan as his player and had as a player as well with David Batty. So immediate respect from everybody. And the style of football was different. So, I mean, and that's... Let's be honest about it. It wasn't, but it was about grinding out and winning. And that season, we ended up finishing second, getting to a cup final with a couple of nil, uh, one nil wins. Uh, one of them being at Goodison Park and another one being uh, at Highbury at the time to get us into that that spot. So, you know, for him coming in, but players are resilient uh, and they respect people. Kenny's time sort of faded with the fans more than anything. And, and the players that was coming into the club wasn't at the level that, the fans was expecting and wanted really you know he, he was bringing in players you know that had played at lower league and maybe coming in and maybe that was the budget but the fans didn't want to want to know about that but as a core of players myself alan rob uh we like kenny and we was trying to do the best and, and obviously get everybody in the same position gary speed had come shay had come so there was a core of players that was as bobby said in the end the blue chip players that kept uh the players together in in, uh, in unity to try to do the right thing. There was no div division. 
the problem when Rude come in straight away, he put Rob Lee to the side, he put Stuart Pierce, he put Nikos Dabizaz, John Barnes, who was big characters and big personalities, and just pushed them aside. And you know, excuse my language, it was like you know, don't take the piss with our friends. They they were, they were yeah. friends of ours. Mm. Yes, it was about us, but you know. One of my things was about keeping everybody together. So when Rob and Stuart was training with the kids, you know, Rude wanted and Steve Clark was like, well, they can come in and eat later. And it was like, no, 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 that ain't happening. You know, they, they can come and eat with us. And we used to set the table with Stuart. And it was it was difficult to do that because they've been friends of ours and we'd, we'd played a lot of games. And Stuart Pierce is probably, and Rob Lee, probably, well, not so much Rob, but Stuart, one of the best professionals you're ever going to, you're going to be along with and um you know that was that was difficult with rude and rude's problem was his man management you know and he said yeah. you know the, the derby was a regional thing and soon as he said that he didn't understand what the club was about um you know eddie said it you know jumping quickly eddie said it straight away this is the biggest game in the season it was and i put it out on social media it was a must win don't care how you do it you beat sunland you don't care how you do it you don't lose to them and obviously you know the famous game uh alan and Big Dunk wasn't playing. Uh, we lose the game. Kevin Phillips scores. Um, and the rest is history. And obviously, Rude got on his plane, the first one out of there to Amsterdam. Good job he did, because Alan Shearer and Ferguson was banging at his door at <laughs> 7.30 in the morning and wanted to have a quiet word with him. So he probably did the right thing to get out of there. And then Sir Bobby come in, and it was back to, to Wonderland again. You know, knowing the fans, getting back. I mean, our first game, we win 8-0. We was actually... The first 15 minutes, we was bloody awful and could have been two or three nil down. But it's sod's law sometimes. You get a lucky result. You get a win. Shearer gets five goals. So Bobby, uh, on the Thursday when he come in, said to Alan in front of all of us, why on earth are you coming to get the ball all the time? And Alan being Alan said, well, that fucking idiot told me to come and show for the ball. And so Bobby <laughs> went, I don't. I want you facing, facing the goal. And Alan gets five goals uh, in the next game against Sheffield Wednesday. And we push on and 18 months later, we're in the Champions League again and we're competing. Um, but as players, you're resilient. And when uh, I never wanted to leave that club because, as I said, I've been told twice I was too small. I'd had offers to maybe leave and go down back down to South. But I wanted to be there as long as I could. I, lo I love the club. I love the people up there. And, you know, me and Rob Lee in particular, uh, they had to drag us out of there at the end because... Um, you know, so Bobby had said, right, your time had come and uh, you need to leave and, and go to Derby. And we dug our heels in for a little bit longer. Um, but in the end, me and Rob went off to, to Derby. And as I said, so Bobby got us back into that that atmosphere of being proud to play for the club, being proud to support the club, not being a chore to go to St. James's Park, not to be hard work. Although it was never like that with me. I always felt the fans mm. wanted to be there. They were supporting. But I know under the Ashley time, there was a lot of times, and I spoke to a lot of fans, that didn't have the the desire and the passion to go to St. James's Park. It was like, mm, I'm going to go, but maybe there's something else to do. Well, them good times are back now. People can't wait to be at the ground and be at the stadium. And, you know, I had seven years of that. And um, as I said, I loved every minute of it. Excellent. Yeah, and I wanted uh, I wanted to 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 just expand on that Warren a, a small bit. You kind of said it yourself. You were one of the arguably one of the constants, probably yourself, and obviously Alan. I can just call him Alan. I, I know him very well, clearly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you were one of the constants throughout that. You know those changes. Uh, Alan said navigating those changes with Kevin Keegan, Finney Davies, Ruth Hollett, and 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 Bobby Robson. But I, I we'd love to know what was it about the like they call it the Bobby Robson effect. Like you know for you. To, 
to to go to a new manager like was it is it is it as easy to think an instant just change of atmosphere a change of environment just just by the man walking through the door like what, yeah he memory, had that what, what was it yeah really he has just... that aura about him he has that you know he had that skip in his step he couldn't stop smiling uh we'd all known about him as a, as a person and he just made you feel great you know he went round. i mean i was delighted he knew my name you know because he, he would forget a name <laughs> and again he we was all Barton, <laughs> speed given lee but when he went up to alan he was uh he, he was alan he was alan and stuff like that mm -hmm. and just the way he was you know the way he wanted us to be and he's talk i never forget you know don't forget who you're playing for let's get back to that feel good factor and he just made you feel alive again you know we've been drained we've been told that you know by rude that we can't do this you can't play there you can't it's like hold on a minute there's a few things we fucking can do do you know what i mean i'm not a bad yeah. player overnight and don't just tell me i can't do this we can't do that i remember the when we lost the cup final it was like what am i supposed to do with this lot that was his line to us lot and we was like fucking hell how about you right. what, what can you do a little bit different yeah. um and so so from that 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 respect you know he comes in and he just transformed it you know as i said the atmosphere that we had against sheffield wednesday uh we won eight nil the atmosphere coming into it it just has that special effect and in life you meet people like that very occasionally not very often as i said kk was like that that he'd come down to london and he had that little bounce in his step and you sort of gravitate to people like that and just these speech bobby letting you know it was coming from the heart and it was genuinely about let's get this club going again so from that point of view he just had that immediate effect and straight away he had us on his side you know he had six or seven us that was on his side and that then went to kieran dyer went to bellas went along to these younger players coming through aaron hughes all of these players and we sort of had a feel-good factor again and that translated on the field we didn't we didn't do particularly well we ended up being just above mid-table but we we clawed our way back into making st james's a bit of a fortress we were still crap away from home we wasn't good away from home but we started to change things around and to start to to progress there was a there was a sign that we was getting there it may take 18 months like i said but to turn a club around that quickly um come from his man management skills and also with the fans you know you don't realize sometimes as fans when you come in there the atmosphere that you you generate in that stadium gives you that inner belief as a player you know i've been used to playing in front of the crazy gang four or five thousand people all of a sudden, I've got 52,000 Geordies screaming and shouting, and another five or six of them are watching us train at Maiden Castle and at, uh, at you know Chesley Street. So they're they're out there supporting you. That gives you such a lift, and it yeah. puts the opposition off. And we started to claw it out a little bit, and Alan started to score goals, and then we started to get Lauren Robert coming into the equation. And then you know you've got some good players then, and then you start you start winning games, and um, you know that that was the main things for. Sir, Sir Bobby Robson to get that club back to competing um and it was it, it all come from him you know he guided us he showed us and um it, his passion and his love for the club was infectious to everybody else hmm. I was, as, as a right back you must have had some fantastic views of some of Laurent Robert's goals because I'm going to you when you look back at them now there were some some fantastic goals in there. go and watch go, yeah. he's another one to watch on instagram he has the life if when i come back i want to come back as him he, he don't stop drinking wine having great <laughs> food and smoking cigars so and he still and he still looks a million dollars it's unbelievable so when i come back i want to come back as lauren Robert because he he looks like a movie star
as a man <laughs> who don't... lives with a with a French uh, other half, I, I, I've observed I've observed firsthand. They they like to enjoy yeah. life, don't they? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, Alan, <laughs> uh, Alan, were you gonna jump in there? It might have been Chris. No, well. it's Chris. Yeah, yeah. That's all right. No, no, just 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 Warren. I just uh, just about to, coming off the Bobby Robson thing. Like obviously, just it'd be remiss not to mention about your England career. Um, and just like just just for us, because you know when we were talking about what we we're going to ask you and so on, that you actually, you know, there's a notable connection here. It's a slightly sad one, but you did make your debut um, in the abandoned friendly against the Republic of Ireland at Lansdowne Road in 1995. I was just kind of wondering. We were kind of just wondering how did it feel to kind of play in that game, and and in particular, what are the memories of, of that day um, when you when you made your yeah? Debut? No, again, it's supposed to be the the proudest moment. Uh, I've been in the Terry Venables squad uh, for probably about six or eight months and, you know, been on the bench, never quite got on against Norway, Nigeria, um, uh, Colombia as well, never quite got on the field. But then Terry said, right, I'm going to, I'm going to play you. I'm going to play you out on Lounsdown Road. It's going to be, you know, uh, a hostile environment to to (laughs) say the least. And, you know, a passionate affair, but we went in there as a, a good faith. There was obviously, it'd been a, a number of years before England ever, ever played over there with Jack Charlton and, you know, they'd had the boys playing at a high level of football and was doing well. So it was sort of a, again, it was supposed to be a special occasion of of bringing the two teams together uh, to celebrate what could be a friendship building on. uh, And sport has a way of of building a lot of bridges uh, going forward. So we was all in good spirit. The people in the hotel uh, was looking after us. I had all my my family coming over, my mum, my dad, brother, uh, my fiance is now my wife uh, coming over to Sears. I, you know, people to go over there, and you know, being with Paul Ince and Ian Wright in the in the hotel, getting ready, you know, looking forward to it. It's everybody's dream, you know, to yeah. to represent your country now. Now, whether that's Germany, that's you know, Ireland, England, whoever it is, to to go and represent your country. You could tell by the atmosphere beforehand it was a bit hostile, but predominantly from the English. Well, there wasn't English fans, and they was above as you come out of Lansdowne Road. As, as a player behind you was all the you know hospitality uh, seats and the families was there and above there was the upper tier was supposed to be the irish fans but the english fans was over to the right and then they'd managed to get into some seats above and then you know 20 minutes into the game it was really really windy i was playing actually against one of my old former teammates terry Feeland as well um it was we was having a chat beforehand so terry Feeland was there and obviously we known a lot of the players we was playing against the game kicks off and ireland was was flying they was doing really well we was managing to get the ball on the ground a little bit england and then you know 23 minutes 27 minutes it all started to kick off and you know bits of wood was being thrown we tried to i was on the other side of the field so i didn't really notice anything but then you could hear and see you know a lot of police people coming onto the field and my my first thought was my fans and my family underneath where the fans were yeah, throwing the yeah. bit. But the the Irish authority was fantastic. They got all our family out of there, made sure that they were safe uh, coming there. Jack Charlton was brilliant, uh, as well as all the staff coming to make sure that everybody was all right. Philo was was brilliant. Terry was was great, and people like Peter Beardsley again. You know, never really knew Peter that well, but he said it's all right, son. You, you know, don't worry about it. They'll all be okay. Uh, Tony Adams as well, and. You know, just so disappointing and, you know, we yeah. felt like, you know, we was making big strides as fans traveling around. And as I said, they're not they're not true fans. They're just hooligans that yeah. went out there to cause trouble. And, you know, 
what was really for me, my 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 family went back to a little hotel just off Grayson Street, just uh, in the middle of town in Dublin, and the people there was so accommodating and friendly. There was no hostility against like my family, and, and not that I thought there would be, because yeah. they are a char. Never I thought that, but it could have quite easily. Like, fucking hell, we give you an opportunity, and look what look what you do. Um, mm-hmm. and, and as I said, it was a it was really disheartening for myself, but you know. The English staff and, and the Irish staff said, look, you know, keep it going and don't worry about it. You're going to get another chance. But it's like anything, gentlemen, it's it's your first one. And mm. that's mm. what people remember. And uh, I wanted it to be remembered for a lot of other things. Um, I still managed to get a cap. So that, that was one good <laughs> <Yeah>. thing. <laughs> one good thing out of it. But, uh, yeah, it was so it was so disheartening and dis- disbelieving that something like that would happen at that time when it was supposed to be a celebration and you know football's supposed to be something that you can cover the cracks in and you know just don't worry about things just let it go out there and play but unfortunately yeah. that was the case but it's it's brought us around to this and you know it's 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 made us feel like you know the game now is is the most important thing and hopefully now you know things have moved on because that was the the, the dark times of of, of yeah. english yeah. english football really well that warren uh, let me just say that your debut here on our irish mag show has been far better <laughs> uh, and, and far more positive uh, for everybody involved. And, and it's been fucking longer as well. It's longer. It's been longer as well. <laughs> <laughs> at, least no one's, at least no one's thrown <laughs> at anything at me. At least no one's thrown <laughs> anything. I'm, I'm all right. Not yet, <laughs> not yet. Not yet. Yeah, not yet. <laughs> Brilliant. See, we're 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 recording this earlier than we usually would, Warren. So none of us have had a beer yet. So it's, it's, not yet. So. Yeah, yeah. You're not true. Hey, listen. You're not true Irishman. If you ain't had a drink yet, you're <laughs> not Irishman. <laughs> <laughs> well, th- we're only saying that for the internet purposes. Um, <laughs> yeah, but look, I think you know it's obviously yeah, it's it's unfortunate that that's how that debut transpired. But like the feeling of playing for your country, Warren. Like not many people, obviously, mm. you know, in the world w- would get to pull on pull on the jersey playing for your country. You did obviously play again, I believe, Brazil and Sweden. If my yeah, yeah, research yeah. No, and if the internet I mean, doesn't have me mistaken. No, no. How did that feel? I suppose you know playing for your country. Yeah, I, I mean, again, it was a big honour. It was the Umbro tournament, and you know, to say my last game uh, was at Wembley against Brazil, when people like uh, the real Ronaldo was playing and Roberto Carlos. There's not too many they could say that i would love to have more opportunities mm. i got called into some squads but for whatever reason you know gary neville was obviously an outstanding player and had a great relationship with with david beckham and you know was a model professional but you know they can't take that away from you you know three caps Absolutely. sweden again up at ellen road playing in that game and and then obviously coming on the sub uh in in wembley was was great so yeah as a when i started off playing in the streets of north london and, and east london uh, playing, I wanted to play in a FA Cup final uh, and represent my country. You know, Brian Robson was a big, you know, I was, uh, I admired him. I, he was my favourite player, uh, and I remember him playing for England. So to be able to do that, and Brian was actually a coach for Terry Venable, so that that was great for him to be around uh, and me to get my debut. So yeah, I would like to add more, but you know, Gary, as I said, was was an outstanding player. Although I wouldn't tell him because he's, his head's big enough as it is, so I wouldn't tell him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only joking, Gav. I'm only joking. Don't get upset. Don't post anything. You know, we all love you. You're all wonderful. You created the world. Thank you, Gary. <laughs> he's typing a tweet as we speak. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, he's telling us all where we're going wrong. It must be. Yeah. It must be wonderful to be perfect. It must be wonderful. Absolutely. <laughs> um, 
super. Thank you so much for it. Like, obviously, we've we've been delving into some of your own football moments and your own Newcastle moments. We might get a couple more because we have a quick fire round before we're going to let you go. But I think we might just get some of your thoughts on like, like moving towards modern day Newcastle, um, Warren, mm. and, and how we're doing. I suppose currently, like the success of the Eddie Howe era, for example, has really been largely built on this strong back five. Obviously, the last few weeks and months have been a challenge to that, but even last season. Like the success was largely built on this incredible back five that we had, let's say, with Pope and Trippier and Byrne, Botman and Cher. We'd love to pick your brain and, and get you talking about how you feel the current back five stacks up against, let's say, the, the main back five of your core time at Newcastle. Oh. So what we've gone with here would be maybe Cernicek or even Shea Given, because obviously we're on the Irish Mags show, and then <laughs> yourself, maybe John Beresford, Steve Howie, Philip Albert and, and Darren Peacock and the like. Um, an opportunity to, to to stack yourself up against the current. <laughs> oh, you're a bad man. You're a bad man. Um, <laughs> I think we're better on a night out. Definitely, I think we're better on a night yeah. out. I think we can safely claim that. I mean, they have great understanding. I mean, my only thing, like I said, um, you know, do it over five, six seasons. You know, it's mm. five or six months has been great. But you know, Pope's an excellent goalkeeper. He has that presence. I'm a big fan of Shea. I mean, uh, not only as a person, but I think he's been the most consistent. There are 400 appearances that he's made, over 400 for Ireland, over 100 as well. He's just a top-class goalkeeper. So they've still got a bit of a way to go. Um, Trippier, uh, and I've said it, I'm not. Too, he's a better player than I was um, again, but he's got to he's got to do it. He's had a little bit of a blip, but you know he's mm. dead force. The way he passes the ball, the way he is. Um, but let's let's see him play two hundred odd games and then judge him from there. But uh, Botman's a player. Botman's a Rolls Royce. Mm. He, he is a little bit like Philip Albert, maybe a little bit quicker until Philip got the the knee injury. Um, and again with Steve Howie, you know, Steve was a, a wonderful player. And Darren Peacock, I throw Peasy in there because Darren was a, a tremendous player, a bit of an unsung hero. You know, two and a half million from Queens Park Rangers. Darren, he come in there. Um, he, he, he was an excellent player, uh, uh, Darren as well. But yeah, I think there's a lot of similarities where both fullbacks want to get forward. Uh, Big Dan is is not a natural left back. I think Bez is uh, was a, a a really good player. Very unfortunate. You talk about England caps, never ever to play for England. Um, mm. But he had Stuart Pearce and Graham Lasalle in front of him. But I still think Bez was worthy of a an opportunity to to get out there. But yeah, they've they've got good chemistry at the back. Um, I think it'd be a good game. Uh, as I said, I think they they've probably got a bit more. Uh, defensive uh, stability. We our first thought as a back, particularly all four of us really out in front and Shea was to go forward. Um, so maybe that was a little bit different. But as I said, see if they can finish second twice. See if they can get in the Champions League and Cup finals, and and then we'll judge them. Uh, and then we'll take them down the big market and see what they can do after that. But um, <laughs> I, I, you know, we're all serious. I, I wish them all the best. And as I said, when yeah. Trippier signed. Uh, he's a proper player, you know. He, he's a proper signing. He sent the benchmark. You know, he's had a little bit of a he's had a little bit of a dip, like I did, like we've all done. It's how you respond. He had a really good performance against Sunderland, and I don't think there was any doubt. I mean, he's a top class player. Uh, he understands what the club's about. I, I had a bit of a chat with him in Philadelphia uh, when they was over in preseason, and uh, he, he gets it. He gets what the club's about. Uh, I think he'll end up staying up there. He might end up on the coaching staff as well. Uh, being up there and as I said he's a he's a top class and Botman I think will be the captain of the club for a long time Fabian shares just signed a new new deal as well he's uh, yeah. he's just really it goes back to Eddie as well you know man management 
under Steve, we, he couldn't get him in the team the way he was playing. And now, you know, Eddie's got him in a position where to be successful. He's got him fitter. He's got him understanding the game plan. He's got him switched on. Obviously, he's got good players next to him uh, with, with Botman and, and Tripper. But even then, you know, when Jamel comes in, who I think is an outstanding player, the captain of the club, he's come in. They have a good relationship. And, um, you know, they've done a good job with them because it gives you a good foundation going forward with your with your back line. So, um, yes, they're, they're very, very good players. Yeah, we actually had a... We inadvertently already... Uh, preview this comparison because we were compare, kind of in our heads comparing the Philip Albert goal against Manchester United in that 5-0 victory with Fabian Scherer's strike against PSG and we were just yeah. up the, up the centre-back scoring long-range goal. Yeah. <laughs> I think Philip's was a bit more iconic and the, yeah. the, the, yeah. chip, as, the chip as well and uh, yeah, he, as I said, he was, a, he was a wonderful person, Philip. He is a wonderful person. I haven't seen him for a while but had a great sense of humour and a really good sense of humour, yeah. Philip. And a great moustache as well in his day. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so the final question of this section, Warren, then, um, and then we might just do a quick fire round for a minute or two before we let you go. But the last question we wanted to speak to you about would be uh, your current role um, in San Diego, Warren, because mm. I'd say not too many of our listeners would be aware of the fact, obviously, that you're over there now. Would you Would you mind telling us a bit more about like what the work you're currently doing? Yeah, um, yeah, by, by all means. Yeah, I, you know, I retired in 05. Uh, 0405. I was in the middle of just finishing my A license. I managed to do my pro license in 07. And my thought was always me and my wife to come over to America. We knew the game was growing and just the quality of life. And let's not be around the bush, the sunshine, the third one I've got it in now. So, you know, that, that was a big opportunity. So I knew the game was growing. I've been working with Sky and BBC and ITV doing some commentative work. And and Fox approached me to come out here, uh, knowing that I was out here anyway. But I got in the country with my my pro license, and I started coaching for the Galaxy uh, under uh, Bruce Arena with the academy level. Um, and at that time in 08, it was very much at the early stages and not really being run at the level that it is now. It was more of a club team um, that they was doing, and I couldn't really comprehend how kids was turning up in you know flip flops and not training properly, and just the, the game hadn't got to where I was and obviously I was doing a lot of work with Fox as well so I still work with Fox I did the Women's World Cup of I'm going to be out in Germany to do the Euros uh, I've been doing the Premier League for 11 years with Fox I did the Champions League for nine and a half years uh, we've done World Cups in Qatar so I still do the media work but also part of my day-to-day -day is my kids I had three young boys when I moved out here 10 8 and 4 they was always into football stroke soccer uh, and I end up coaching them in a program which is called Del Mar Sharks um, in Northern California. Uh, sorry, in Northern San Diego in um, in California, uh, which I've been a director with. It keeps me going day to day, coaching the kids, uh, being involved in soccer. I want to get into the game, if I'm being honest. I, I, I did my pro license. I'd love to be a coach now, whether that's MLS, USL, Premier League, come whatever back. it is. I, I'd love come to back, get Warren. Come back. Yeah, come back. I'd, I'd love, come to, back. I'd love to get love to get involved in coaching. I feel I've got a lot to offer. I'm still young enough, you know. I still feel like I can do that. But my main reason to come to America was to be with my kids, and I was able to do that through the ages of 11, 12. Now my my kids are older. My my youngest one's 19. Uh, he only needs me for for money and a new car. So <laughs> he, he, and a text message now and again. But uh, other than that, it's it's all good. So yeah. Um, I have a nice life. I can't complain. Uh, you know, it's a big change. I miss my family. I miss I miss the, the 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 football, the feel of it, and the the intensity that everything cares and everything matters. But the game over here is really growing. 
Yeah. It has that that model. A lot of the stadiums now, Pacific soccer stadiums, have great academies, the coaching level. So I'm hoping to get involved in the game at a high level. But I love where I am. Um, San Diego has actually just got an MLS team that's going to be in 2025. I'm having interviews with them. So I'd love to, to, to be involved in that. But, you know, your face has to fit. And um, I've just got to keep persevering. But I'm not complaining. I wake up every morning. It's sunny. Uh, I, I enjoy and, and better still we beat Mackham so we're, we're winning so that, that makes it all that bit brighter so yeah it's all good it's all good and we're going to finish on that mo- on that note to talk a little bit about the Mackham um, we've four or five just quick fire questions for you Warren if you don't mind some some cool. facts that we'd really love to know and, and share with our listeners so um, we're, we'll, we'll, we'll speed through them and uh, just for the record folks he hasn't seen these questions so uh, <laughs> we'll be getting we'll be getting we'll be getting the true answers uh, straight from the horse's mouth best player you ever played with uh, week in week out would be Peter Beardsley uh, but Gaza getting ready for England Euro 96 he was on a different level then but Peter Beardsley for me was was the best player week in week out. Janola when he first come, he done things that I'd never seen before. But Pedro for me was the best player that I played with week in week out. Wow. Incredible. And flip it around, best player you ever played against? Again, week in week out would have been Ryan Giggs at uh, that team with mm-hmm. Manchester United. Mm-hmm. You know, with with Roy, uh, Paul Scholes, Beckham. Uh, and obviously Ryan on that left-hand side weekend. Harry Kuehl was always a, a very good player. But we played against Juventus with Zidane. And I think he was oh. that level above at that time. Me, Rob and Gary was trying to get a ball off of him. And he did a pirouette and then passed it with the outside of his foot. He was just that streets ahead of us at that time. So Zidane's the best I've ever played against. Ronaldo when, you know, he was a real Ronaldo. But, uh, you know, you can't say three and a half minutes you played against him. So, there you go. More than most. Um, favorite opposition kiss that you have, like from a from an exchange? Oh, uh, the Barcelona one when we played them in the Champions League. Uh, very iconic. Um, I remember the Kappa. So yeah, I mean that would be one that I I, I keep. Wow. I've also got the the Roma one from Totti. So mm. that's that's when we played wow. them. Uh, but that, mm. that's it. Yeah. The Roma one was good. And Juventus, obviously, the black and white one. But, um, yeah, I, I swapped nice. with Patrick Riviera, which is a good one. And, obviously, Ryan, I've swapped. So, yeah, but I you know, I think them ones, the Barcelona, has, has a special feeling to it. And it's Luis Enrique's one. So, yeah, there you go. Oh, wow. Some jersey. You, 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 you got in his mind early because he came back with PSG as manager. I know. Well. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. He didn't, he didn't ask for my shirt then when we beat him 4-1. <laughs> He wasn't asking for anyone that night. <laughs> no, exactly, um, exactly. Excellent. Your best game for Newcastle? Um, I always think it's someone else. But I had a really good game when Kenny Dalgleish, last game of the season, we beat Nottingham Forest uh, 5-0. It managed to get us into the Champions League with a goal differential and the win. Uh, I had a couple of assists. Les got a couple of goals. Uh, and what was even pleasing, not only did we get in the Champions League, we finished second. Um, and Sunderland and Middlesbrough got relegated that season. So I think it was like 96, 97. Uh, so, yeah, it was a special time. That was a good game. Um, but, yeah, I think that one really jumps out. Uh, personally, I I was here, there and everywhere. So, um, yeah, that, that's one that jumps out for me. We beat, we beat Forest 5-0. Love that. Love that. that. And the, and the impact it. on the neighbours as well. Yes. Exactly. Nobody yeah, I love it. No. And uh, last for the quick fire, favourite Newcastle United anecdote that that you were allowed to share with us 
um on, and and of course our listeners and and the internet <laughs> okay yeah yeah um there's lot lots of uh lots of stories um let me come back to you on that one let me come back to you. I, I think, I think, i'll pull out on the pause but there's lots of lots of things i want to want to bring up but uh i just have to remember who, who might be listening but i'll save that <laughs> I'll, tell you what, I'll save it for another day i'll save it for another save it day. for next time that brilliant yeah exactly i'll tease you with that one right so before we let you go and folks we are going to come back for a second part of this week's podcast with myself alan and chris show because we're going to delve a bit more into into the irish mags uh, events at the weekend and obviously the sunderland game and the upcoming games but the one thing we want to talk to to warren about before we let him go back to the sunshine is <laughs> is about playing in the derby and and obviously warren we'd love to hear your thoughts about what you watched at the weekend as well and experience um, so maybe if you could just fill us in, you've played, I believe you played in six time weird derbies. If uh, again, if yep. the research that we've done here is correct, how does like you've played in a lot of games uh, for many different clubs uh, in many different places, but what, what's it like playing in the time weird derby? Oh, it, it's yeah, Newcastle it, it's, or Sunderland? yeah, no, no, it, it's Sunderland. It's it's special. It's Sunderland's the the big one. You know, Smoggies is was good to go down to there. They had a good team. Uh, we always used to do reasonably well against Middlesbrough. But the real, the real derby games is Sunderland. You know, the mm. the build up before they didn't like us, and I don't. We didn't particularly like them, and that's you know Kevin Ball, Mickey Gray, Quinny Phillips, all of them guys. You know, there was no. We, we got on with each other, Summerby, but we didn't particularly like each other um, in that respect. So that that was that was mutual, and you know Benno, you know, Benno's been great. Gary Bennett does a lot for show races and red card. We come across each other, but it's always polite, you know. Me, Bears, and Shaka, we we're just being polite, and and that was just being faithful to the fans and to to each other, you know. Uh, you know Kevin was he was you know red and white through and through, and when we had Lee Clark next to us, he was black and white through and through. So you know it it's great for the area, you know, and, and I mean that to say that the whole region when we was all in the Premier League, when we was all competing, when we was all doing well. It was a special time in the northeast because it, it is dislike you know there's no beating around yeah. the bush they don't like us we don't like that and you could see that with the, the 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 old lady that wanted to have a fight with one of our fans outside it's it's, <laughs> it's in their blood and uh, you know that's part and parcel of it and um it's a special game the atmosphere that we had going now at the stadium of, of uh light i would be polite i will call it a stadium of light Remember Roker Park? We went there. There was hardly any fans. We won two one. Les got the header to to win, and just that deathly silence. And then you'd hear a couple of Geordies scream out and cheer, and then followed by a bit of a fisty cuff and screaming and shouting and fighting going on when that was happening. But you know, we had our bus uh, bricks thrown at it when we was leaving Tyne and Weir. But it's all part of it, you know. And mm. I, I don't. I never want it to change. You know, I never want it yeah. to to change and to be like that and to have scarves that have both clubs on mm, it, ain't, mm. it ain't like that it ain't it's not like that at all so um it's great for the area it was a great result i was really looking forward to the game i wasn't i wouldn't say nervous but they had nothing to lose they what they yeah. had everything to gain mm. and we went out there and dominated the first half got the got the goal that we deserved an, an own goal and then the second one really set the tone and just the fans afterwards and then you know, one of the pictures that I put out there is when we equalised in the last minute. They thought it was going to beat us and we equalised. And just going up to their fans and putting my ears up to my ears. And <laughs> they they want to kill you. They they want to hurt you. They want to do you. And 
then I had the safety of a uh, seven or eight thousand Geordies <laughs> looking after me. Unfortunately, Warren's connection actually just dropped when we were about to let him go and bid our farewells and and say thank you. We've obviously given him loads of praise. Um, we sent a message to say thank you for joining us. But if you were watching on YouTube, you will have noticed he was dialed in from the car. So fair play to him for giving us all that time. Um, it was an excellent interview, lads. And mm. he didn't hold back on any of the questions we asked. And to reiterate, he was not sent any of them to prepare. And, and I think if he was, he wasn't <laughs> reading them. No. <laughs> um, I, I honestly like, I've been doing podcasts here and there. We've been doing this a little while, lads, but that was just a, an excellent experience to hear all the, the stories. And as I said, he just, he just gave us everything he had from his head, from the, from the heart, um, which was great. Any particular highlights from that segment, lads? I think we had about 45 minutes with Warren Barton, um, which was amazing. <laughs> Uh, wow. Alan, anything that stands out for you in terms of the stories he's telling us? Come here, listen, listening to his stories about his debut at Lansdowne Road is amazing. The fact that he then got to play against Sweden and Brazil and he got to play against the real Ronaldo. Just mm. is, it's, he had some career for as an international without having a very long career. He had some games to play, to be fair to him. So it's just really, really interesting listening to him talk about that. Yeah, it was pretty pretty cool mm. and great to have a little Irish connection there. Yeah. Um, obviously, yeah. I'm sure you, said, you said it yourself in the interview. It was a slightly sadder one, obviously. Yeah. But yeah. Never, nevertheless, you know, he's he's got a, a connection there somewhat, even just by the fact that he made his debut for England against Absolutely. Um, yeah. Chris, what about yourself? Anything that stood out from, uh, obviously, our, our Q&A, our questions, and, and like I said, the uh, the anecdotes and all this, the history he was giving us? Yeah, like I mean, like I said, like I said, uh, when we were talking to him, he made an excellent debut with us. And hopefully on Twitter, Shay will see it and uh, <laughs> want to get want to get in ahead of him or get in a second. Um, but uh, thanks very much, Warren, for joining us. I think like that, apart from like talking about the jerseys that he has, which was excellent, like the fact that he, when we asked him, he like he's played with such a lot of good players. And when he said Peter Beardsley, I was really chuffed because Peter Beardsley is, <laughs> I've always watched him when I was playing football myself uh, and wanted to understand how you, knocked the ball between left and right and how he was so accurate and brilliant. Andy Cole wouldn't have been half the player without Peter Beardsley alongside him. So for Warren Barton to come out and say, Peter Beardsley, I mean, that's a top class player. So I was really chuffed with that, like really chuffed because I didn't know what he was going to say, but the fact he said Peter Beardsley was, I was chuffed with it. I mean, never mind. He, as you said, he had a lot of choices, but I think, yeah. you know, we might have a few younger listeners that might not remember or have seen too much of Peter Beardsley. And, and he's had some bad press in his kind of mm. playing career here and there. And we don't need to go into too much detail on that. But as a player, not just for Newcastle, but when he was at Newcastle, that's an unbelievable player. What he could do with wow. his feet for someone, for someone who wasn't particularly small or nimble or low center of gravity, but just the ball control, the technique, the vision, and the intelligence was unreal. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I loved listening to. That was one of the things I was looking forward to, and sometimes you don't you don't know if, if they're going to admit it. When we were talking to him about the decision to move to Newcastle and who else was on the table, there's a serious sense of smugness to be taken yeah. in satisfaction <laughs> when a player chooses Newcastle. He mentioned Dalglish had been looking at him when he had just won the league at Blackburn, or maybe before that. I think he said something about talking to David Dean at Arsenal, and Warren said himself he was an Arsenal fan. That's a that's a uh, big call for us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Sheffield yeah. Wednesday under um Trevor uh Fra Trevor Francis, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, like again for younger listeners they were a solid premier league team mm. back in the day top 10 finishes and the like so yeah i love hearing that and then obviously just the pride and and the the absolute like you know unequivocal i made the right decision and, and yeah. how king kevin king kev said to him 
come, <laughs> come to a big club and that's exactly come to a big club i think you should come back i think you should come back and join the setup at newcastle and uh, work with the youth <laughs> We've planted the seed just for sure. That's it. Get them in there. Um, (laughs) Right. Well, look, that brings an end to part one of this week's episode. We've decided, uh, because we simply had far too much content to discuss with Warren, and we wanted to obviously spend as much time with Warren as we could, we've decided to do an extra special second part uh, of this week's episode, which will be released on Friday. So the the Warren Barton episode, by the time you're listening uh, to this, obviously would have been released on Wednesday. So on Friday, we'll do part two. We'll have a quick breakdown of the Irish Mags experience of that magnificent win over Sunderland <laughs> at the weekend because there was a lot of meetups and a lot of crackhead. Mm-hmm. We will be discussing the latest transfer rumors on the horizon because there's a, a, a few new names have surfaced mm-hmm. this week. So we feel yeah. we need to give that a little bit of airtime. We'll have Chris Show's very, very famous slash infamous bad take of the week before then turning our attention to the Man City game on Saturday. A huge thank you again to Warren Barton for joining us. An honour to have him on the show as our first ever ex-Newcastle United player and legend. Uh, And not a bad one at all. If you've enjoyed the episode today, folks, of course, do the usual. Don't forget to like, follow, share, subscribe and rate us wherever you can and wherever you are tuning in. Until Friday, though, how are the lads? Sloan, go fall. And of course, we'll see you all very soon. Say goodbye, gentlemen. Slon, lads. Slon, and see you soon.